is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. But I'm here to do the sermon. I'm very happy to have the opportunity to do that. And uh, today we are going to be in the sixth week of an eight-week sermon series called Walk Like Jesus. And I am going to be preaching to you today about Jesus and the Word, or Scripture. But we're going to come to an acronym later, and we have to use Word. We can't use W. We, we have to use power. We can't be poser. So I'm, gonna, I'm warning you now. <laughs> um, but So Jesus and the Word. And uh, we need to get some context of where, where we were We've, over the past five weeks. So I want to go back and just, just do that, because the background of where I'm coming from, it's important. So week one and two, uh, really laid the foundation of who Jesus is. And probably in week one, I don't remember which, which week was which, but in week one we, we know we established that, yes, Jesus is absolutely both God and both man. It's a mystery, but he, he is that, and that's the church councils, the Bible makes that clear. Um, but it started to bring some questions up then and um, a- answer them. So if Jesus is purely God, how can we walk like Jesus? And so Dan Spader, he's the, the author of Walk Like Jesus, he is pointing out, well, he proposed, he's saying, listen, Jesus laid aside his God power, not, not being God, he's fully God, but he laid aside his God power while he walked on earth. So Dan Spader calls it a God card. So in other words, he didn't just, as Kent said last week, Jesus had to learn to obey I'm going to tell you this week, right now I'm telling you, Jesus had to learn Scripture. He wasn't automatically downloaded with Scripture. Um, how could we understand Jesus? How could we walk like Jesus if he was not the high priest that was able to identify us with us in every way? So that, that's an important thing that is established in this study is that, yes, Jesus is God, but he put aside his, his God power and we have all the resources that were available to him. We have the word, we have prayer, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of you might even say, well, yeah, what about his miracles? Done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that actually brings up the next week, week three. And Steve did the sermon that week on the Holy Spirit. And the key of that is Holy Spirit dependence. Jesus was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit and we have to be completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That, that set it up for the, for the rest of this series. That always In this sermon, I'm going to be coming back to, it was the Holy Spirit that did this. We need the Holy Spirit to make the Word living and active. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to guide us here. The Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness. He was full of the Holy Spirit when he went out. So I'm going to be talking about that. It's the, it is the key to the rest of, he is the key to the rest of this study. Uh, but a cute little an acronym came out of that. So we have Holy Spirit dependence. So Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit. And then he walked out his mission through power. And that's the acronym. And power is Jesus used prayer for guidance. And that was week four that we talked about prayer. He did obedient living. He was obedient. Kent talked about that last week. This week, word-centered or scripture-centered mindset. He exalted the Father, and he had relational intentionality. So 
that's the way that he walked out, and that's the way that we also can use Jesus as a model and walk out and walk like Jesus. So before I move on, I do want to offer you this blessing. The Lord be with you. So if we're going to walk like Jesus in Scripture, we need to know what he has to say about Scripture. What was Jesus' attitude towards Scripture? And as I was studying, I did a lot of study in the Walk Like Jesus uh, curriculum, but I looked in the Word, other places, you know, looked online, tried to find Jesus in Scripture. And where I landed is in Matthew 5. And Matthew 5 is a pretty well-known portion of Scripture, pretty well-known not just in church circles. It's a, it was known, it used to be known pretty well in society. Anybody ever hear of a little thing called the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, that, so that's Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm only going to be preaching on a very short, that's going to be our reading today at least, a very short portion of, of Matthew 5, and that's verses 17 through 20. But I can't uh, talk about that, I can't read that without painting some context, because the whole Sermon on the Mount is what provides the context um, for Matthew 17. Verses 17, verse 5, verses 17 through 20. So when I look in Matthew 5, I see heart. I see it's a sermon to the heart. And it starts off with something that's called the B attitudes. And these are, these are attitudes that um, Jesus would say, hey, if you have this kind of mindset, this kind of attitude, you're going to be blessed. For instance, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or the poor in spirit would be those, those of us that know we absolutely can't do it alone. We need God. Um, he says that the kingdom of heaven is there. And I'll skip a few here. Um, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And then he, he ends this section with, you know, guess what? Just Jesus turns things upside down. You know what? Even if you're persecuted, you are blessed. And he says, because the prophets were persecuted, and you have a reward in heaven. So Jesus starts off this whole sermon with, with heart attitude. If you have this kind of attitude and this kind of, which would drive your behavior, this is what, how you're blessed. And then the next little section, um, verses 13 through 16, he basically tells us why. We should put on these attitudes because we are salt and light to the world. So that means we provide the flavor and we provide the illumination to this world. We are called to go out and do that. So we need to put on those attitudes um, that we would be blessed for because we need to take that out. The world needs us. And then there's a little section that I'm going to be um, reading in a few minutes here. And that's pretty much, there's a few verses in there that are just uh, pretty much straightforward about what Jesus believes in Scripture. And then there's one that I'm going to have to provide some context for, but it's going to be really clear when we, when we do that. But that one that I'm talking about leads, it introduces the next section, which have often been called, I'm going to use a big word here, the six great antitheses. And what that basically means is what happened there is Jesus would say, you know, you say Scripture says this, or you've heard this, but I say this. So he's saying, this is what you've heard, but. Now, if you would skip the earlier portion of the, the Sermon on the Mount and you just jump here, you would think that Jesus is rewriting Scripture. But like on the section that I'm saying, you'll find out, no, this is, I believe this. And then he, then he goes forward and says, but this is a matter of the heart. 
You can follow, this is what scripture says, but I'm saying take it to the heart and do this. So that's really what it's saying. So with that said, if you have your Bibles, I see many of you have already jumped forward. I'm really glad about that. If you have devices, please turn to Matthew um, chapter 5. And I am going to be reading from verses 17 through 20. It says, don't think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. This is God's word. It's true, and we can rely upon it. So, in my sermon today, I'm going to, from, that little, from those four small verses, I saw three, I see three main points that we can draw of what Jesus' attitude towards Scripture is, and then we, therefore, can walk like him and have the same attitudes. Um, let's, let me dive in a little bit and just reread uh, verse 17 which my first point will will come from that. Verse 17 says, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. So no, I'm not not here to wipe out. I'm not here to to start start anew, rip rip it out. And he repeats that. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. That's that's a pretty bold statement there, that he came to fulfill. What Jesus is saying is that all scripture points to him. He's the Messiah. Everything point, points to me. Uh, that's a bold thing, but Jesus says it a number of times during scripture. He, he says it at, at, in John 5.30. He says that the scriptures testify about him. Just this morning, I have to add this. Just this morning, I was reading in, in Matthew and where Jesus was arrested. And where he, where he was arrested, uh, they, they pulled the sword, they went to stop him when he was arrested in the garden, and he's like, hey, put him away. I could call legions of angels. Look, this has to happen this way so scriptures may be fulfilled. So Jesus is all the time pointing at that. But I want to share two of my two favorite uh, passages. One is in Luke 4, um, and then the next will be in Luke 20, 24, both of them in Luke. But in Luke 4, Jesus just came out of he just came out of the, the desert. He was just tempted by Satan. He came out of the desert, and uh, he makes his way, and says, full of the Holy Spirit, incidentally. He's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's preaching, and people are like, this is amazing. Nobody's ever said anything like this guy. And um, he makes his way to Nazareth, which is his hometown. And he goes to the synagogue, and he turns to Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And he reads from it. Now, I'm going to read from Luke 4, 18 and 19, which is the exact quote of uh, the Isaiah scripture. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recover sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the script up, he rolled it up, the scroll that he was reading from, he gave it to the scribe, the, the handler of that, and then he sat down and people were looking at him, and then he says, 
Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. So he's calling out. And what's, what I find so interesting on that is he's reading from Isaiah. So who's the, who's the me that he's talking about? It's him. He's declaring that this is me. I'm the one that's going to do these things. So a pretty strong statement very early in his um, ministry. But, one of my, but my favorite, my favorite place is in Luke 24, uh, where he, we're, we're talking, this, this is the resurrected Jesus in Luke 24. So he's, he's resurrected, he's already been crucified and he's resurrected, and one of the first things he does is he finds his disciples, not once but twice in this chapter, and he makes sure that they understand that all scriptures pointed to him. And the first one is the, it's called the road to Emmaus, and many of you are probably familiar with that with that uh, scripture, that passage, and it's basically there's two disciples that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're, they're very downtrodden because Jesus had just been killed. Um, his body's missing. They, they don't know what to do. They've lost their master, you know, and they thought he was the Messiah. And Jesus is kind of listening to this, and he says, don't you, don't you know what the scriptures say about the Messiah? And the, in Luke 24, verse 27, he says, then beginning with Moses... In all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And uh, incidentally, he, was, he had blinded their minds so they didn't recognize him. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. So they don't recognize him, and, he's, and he tells them this, and then, then he, they do recognize him. They sit down and they do recognize him, but he disappears, and they're like, whoa, weren't our hearts burning when he was, when he was telling us this stuff? Holy Spirit making that living and active and fulfilling that yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. And they, they are excited, so they're like, we have to go tell the boys about this, the, the other disciples. Uh, so they, want to, they go back to tell the 11 where they're gathered, and they're like they're starting to tell them, hey, this is what happened to us, and Jesus shows up among them. And after everybody kind of settles down and you know, realizes he's not a ghost and they're, they're calm, they, um, Jesus says in verses 44 and 45, he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. He opened their minds. That, that saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he opened up their minds, and they're like, yeah, wow, this is true. Jesus, all Scripture does point to you. And that's the attitude we should understand too. All Scripture points to him. The second point it comes from verses, my second point comes from verses 18 and 19 in Matthew 5. And it's pretty straightforward. What he says, so he says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of the letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called the great in the kingdom of heaven. Basically, it's saying, my, what my statement says is, but the verse is pretty, pretty clear on that. Jesus believed all scriptures are true. Heaven and earth isn't going to pass away because until, until they're all fulfilled. So until the end of time, these are true. And he, he believes that they are perfect. They're, they're without error. They are, they're true. And they're meant to be obeyed and taught taught properly, but they are meant to be taught and meant to be done and acted upon. And he verifies this over and over. Uh, he says in John 10 that Scripture can't be broken, so that's very similar to verse 18, that the Scripture is going to last 
forever. He says, he claimed, he's talking to the Father in John 17, 17. He says, your word is truth. And in John 4, chapter 14 and chapter 15, he calls the word his commands. And he says, if you obey my commands, you show him that you love me. In the other one, he says, do my commands and you show him that you love me. So he's, he's really um, big on, this is truth. This is so, these, this is so important to follow and to be taught. And there's other biblical references where Jesus refers to a biblical character. He refers to, to King David, and he doesn't say like he's a mythical character. It's just like it was Abraham Lincoln for us. It's a historical character. And then he refers to Jonah in the belly of the whale. And that's, that's like 9-11. You know, it's just an event that happened. I, not, not a bad event. I saw Joanne. But it's just like whatever event, an event, a historical event that we, that we had. Um, so he does that. And then he, then he uses Scripture also to... He acts on it. He uses it to fight against falsehoods. Uh, particularly, he did it in, when he was being tempted by Satan. Satan was throwing all, in, in Matthew 4, Satan was throwing all these, these lies at him and trying to, to coax him to, be, to join him. And Jesus just threw Scripture back. He just threw the truth back at him, and uh, Satan left. He was, he was outgunned. He just couldn't, he couldn't handle it. And the same thing happened with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were always trying to, to trick him. They were using Scripture, and Jesus would say, wait a minute, did you didn't read that again? Did you read, did you read Scripture? Don't you know Scriptures? And he would tell them the truth, and they were just, they couldn't say anything, mostly probably because they knew it was true. And, but Jesus just got to, got to them. One thing I do want to say, though, that he did, he did with the, the Pharisees, when they did teach the, when they taught the people, and they were teaching the truth, he didn't ever get on them about that. In fact, in Matthew 23, uh, verse 1, he says, they sit in the teaching seat of Moses. And he said, what, listen to what they have to say and, and do what they say to do. Because this is the word of God. Now, he said, but don't do what they're doing. And that's, that's the issue that he had with the Pharisees, which leads me um, to my last point. So remember, this is the last point that I have, and then a little bit of clarification is going to be needed. So my point at first in my, my verse don't seem to line up, but when I give a little context, you'll be oh, the lights will turn on. You'll be, aha. So in verse 20, it says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of God. And then my, my point is that Jesus believes Scripture focuses on the heart and the spirit of the law. Well, let's give a little context about the Pharisees. So, because that's the righteousness that the verse talks about that we have to surpass. They are experts on the law. But they had like 365 other rituals and uh, little rules around the law because they were protecting the law is what they said. But what happened is instead of protecting, these little rituals became so important that they became more important than the law. And Here's where you're going to get it. They missed the spirit of the law. They were so, oh, we're, we're focusing on this exact thing. An, an incident is that where Jesus was frustrated with them is in Matthew 23, 23. He says it's about their tithing. Tithing was a good thing, but they, they are so obsessed with their little garden plants, their mint and their dill, that Jesus said, you're, you're so focused on this that you're missing. What about justice? What about mercy? What about faith? He said, you can't have the, the tithe. That means nothing unless you're focusing on these other things. And again, and those things are, are heart things. That the heart 
is how one surpasses the righteousness of the scribe. Focusing on the heart. And the place that this is then verified is the passage of scripture that follows the one that I read. It follows 17 through 20. It's those six great antitheses. Those, there's, there's 27 verses, um, verses 21 through 48, where Jesus says, the law says this, but this is where I want you to head. And there, I drew some examples of uh, things that he, he, in, in those scriptures, he's saying different things, of like this, we should focus on the spirit the spirit or the heart rather than the letter. We should focus on internal, external, important matters rather than minor points, character rather than commands. And some, some places where he really points them out, let's say like the ex- internal versus the external. Uh, he says, hey, the, the Bible says, the word says do not commit adultery. That's good if you're not committing adultery. You could say it. Jesus says, Listen, if you're looking at a woman with lust in your eye, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So he's going towards the internal lands. In fact, the Pharisees were so, they looked so good on the outside, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. So like a, maybe like a mausoleum, right? What's, what's inside a mausoleum? It's a dead person, a dead and rotting person. It looked great on the outside though, and this is, that's what the Pharisees were. They, they were focusing all on their external behavior. Now, one other great place of it's an example of Jesus talking about focusing more on character than commands, than the direct commands. Again, focusing on it. It's not bad to follow the command, but Jesus points out a great commandment, love your neighbor. But then Jesus says, but you know what? Here's the spirit of this. Love your enemy. Do good to those who have done you harm. Pray for those who are persecuting you. And so he says something really cool in that that little scripture portion, he says, if you do this, you'll be known as sons of the Father. If you're able to do that kind of attitude and love your enemies, which I'm not able to do by myself. I, I don't think any of us probably are. When people are mean to me, I have a really hard time being nice back, doing something good back to them. And, um, because I can't, because I can't do it alone. And we need the power there of the Holy Spirit. But again, when we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and guide us, that word, as Hebrews says, that word of God becomes living and it becomes active. And we're able to distinguish right from wrong. We're able to know what to do with our lives because of that. We're able to walk like Jesus. So let me just reiterate my, the three points. The first is that Jesus says that Scripture uh, all points to him. The second point, in, in some, says, hey, it's true. It's perfect, it's meant to be obeyed. And then he says, hey, let's focus. He believes that scriptures, the focus should be on the heart of the matter. What is, what's at the heart? What's the spirit of scripture saying? Let's focus on that. So to start to conclude, God does speak to us still through scripture. The Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. The Holy Spirit used human beings um, inspire them to write scripture. But that, so that same Holy Spirit takes this, this written word as we read it, and makes it alive to us. And it, he shows us the living word. That is Jesus Christ. And the more that we can focus on the living word and, and have that encounter with him, the more we can walk like him. But how, that's still pie in the sky. So let me just share a couple, some three quick practical things that we can do to walk like Jesus. First, 
is pray for the Holy Spirit's continual guidance. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He is your counselor. He wants to, he's the author of scripture. So when you're in it, he wants to show you what he means. He wants to show you the truth. So ask, ask him, Holy Spirit, please, Gary's preaching. He's talking about these verses. Is that true? What does this mean for me? Or as you're reading, what, show me, Lord, what you want me to do with this. Help me have this attitude of love, which I just don't have. Lord, please. Secondly, <clears throat> sorry. Secondly, read, study, memorize. Hide scripture as the Psalm, Psalm 119 says. Put it in your heart that you might not sin against him. But I want to say, like, today, right, we're just a perfect example. We, you guys have been doing great as a congregation. I mean, think about it. Last year, we read the scripture through the whole Bible in one year. This year, we had a testimony this morning around the world, a beautiful testimony. Man, I couldn't, I couldn't hold the tears back on that. Um, we've been doing 100 memory verses. So the point, you guys were doing great. Just keep it up. Keep it, dig in, show yourselves to be workmen that need to show you to be approved. You're rightly dividing the word of truth. And finally, Listen, you can't, you can't just be, it can't just be you, the Holy Spirit, and Scripture alone. It just, it just can't be, you're, you're, a soldier can't fight a war alone. You, you're going to be out there, you're going to be sniped. We need each other. And uh, remember, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of the Holy Spirit. Scripture is said, there might be something that you need to hear from someone else, or someone else might need to hear something from you. Perfect example of this, every week when we have our We've been having our Walk with Jesus study. I'm Bob Snyder. Wait a minute. Let's not cherry pick. And then he comes back and, and this is what it says here. This is what it says here. And the Holy Spirit speaks. And then the whole truth is reviewed, revealed. It's a beautiful thing. So those are just three things that I encourage you to start today. Um, to begin to encounter the living word and, and walk like Jesus. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, um, Jesus, that you are the living word. You give us the Holy Spirit to, to guide us into all truth, um, to, to pierce our hearts, to show us right from wrong, um, to act appropriately. Lord, we thank you um, for your word and for your guidance. And we ask that we can go out and we can be full of the Holy Spirit and full of truth, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.